Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. It's something called, um, it's basically the battlefield is in the mind. And it's something that a lot of us are very familiar with and I've probably you know, mentioned it before. So I don't know if anyone here has actually read the book by um, Joyce Meyer called The Battlefield is the Mind. Who has? Actually read it, not chapter one. Because someone like me, I'm not able to get past chapter three. I feel like this, I'm still trying to unpack chapter one to three. So I've had, I feel like I have the two editions. And I haven't gone past chapter 3 because each time I'm in chapter 1, God shows me something new again. And so even the sermon today, he said to me that it's not even done. So if he doesn't feel complete, it's fine. It's because he's still telling me, that's why I have my big pants in here. So if I stop, if I start writing in the middle of the sentence, don't worry about me, you just write. Right? I even said to a friend of mine, I was going to send her my notes. Uh, because me and her on a faith journey, we were just basically challenging each other to believe God. Believe every line of scripture. So I thought I'll send her my notes and then she should add on what the Lord has said to her concerning this matter. Amen? So I please do the same as well. Okay? And so the battlefield is in the mind. The battlefield is in the mind. You know, battles are lost or won in the mind. Battles are won or lost in the mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. You know, Proverbs, that's Proverbs 23, 7. So if I just walk with me so that people that want to take the scriptures down can have it. So battles are won or lost in the mind. It starts with your mind. It starts with the lies that you've allowed the enemy to tell you. Or the truths of scripture that you've allowed to seep into your spirit. It starts from there. You see the person... Born, from a, born in a good home, have a great upbringing, and by the time they are teenagers, they're a complete mess of themselves, and you're wondering what went wrong. And a mom and a dad's heart is broken, and they're thinking, this is a child that I raised. I raised this child in the way of the Lord. I gave this child everything. I disciplined when it was right. They never had any reason to doubt the love that we had for, for them. And so, who is this person that has no self-confidence? No ability to stand, no ability to speak, no ability to do anything. And if care is not taken, they will not come into the fullness of who they are and their purpose. It says that we are creators with God. We are co-creators with God. At the very beginning, he said, he said you know, go into the world, multiply, have dominion, subdue. So, you give us an assignment, we're supposed to be creators. And every single one of us was actually born a champion. Every single person. I don't really care how many failures, failures you've had over the course of your life. I don't want you to start telling me, but do you know how I feel that X business? Do you know how X number of people left me? They were supposed to marry me, or I was supposed to marry them, and they rejected me. Um, oh, I had a job. I've lost my job X number of times. Every business I put my hand on has not succeeded. Every even I have I have um, I have the um, um, depression. I have the um, waist pain. I have leg pain. Everything just falls apart for me. I don't really care about that because I believe that every single one of us was born a champion. You know, I read a book and the guy said at the very opening line of the book. I can't remember the name of the book now. He said that each and every one of us, whether you're male or female. We were that one sperm out of millions that succeeded in penetrating the egg and forming life. 
and I just said, I, I, I started speaking in tongues. I was like, so he said, you're a champion. You won already when you were just a, a cell. I can't remember the name. You know the book? Martin Monroe's book. Okay. No, it wasn't Martin Monroe's book. It was another book. Maybe they borrowed from me. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know who borrowed from me. <laughs> but yeah, but maybe it's about it. Yeah. And I just thought, this is so amazing. He says, whether you're male or female, you were that one sperm that succeeded out of millions. And so you already born, you came into the world like, yeah, this is me, I won. So when did we get it wrong? When did we start believing the lies of the enemy, telling us something different, making us see a vision of ourselves that is not the way that God sees us? Because really, when we talk about heaven's report, it's about God's relationship with us, his assignment for us on earth, and how he sees us. What at the end of time he will see us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. So when did the body dysmorphia start? You know how you see yourself, a, a young woman sees herself and she's like a size 10. And every time she sees herself in the mirror, all she can see is that fat tie. That one part of her body that just is not quite the way she would have liked because she has flooded her mind with images of Naomi Campbell and the likes. They don't eat. So if you are eating small chops, you're not gonna have that body. <laughs> so choose one. And she's saying, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. And you're looking at her thinking, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Most of us suffer it. I'm perpetually saying I'm fat. I'm always in the gym because I think I'm fat. Yeah. Children, we all suffer an element of body dysmorphia, mental dysmorphia. We're thinking, I'm ugly, I'm ugly. Who says you are? You were made in the image and the likeness of God. So how can you be ugly? Are you saying that my father is ugly? I actually genuinely believe that no person, not one person in this world is ugly. Have you ever seen a girl that in your carnal mind you're saying, this girl, this girl no makeup, she's not fine at all. And you see one guy that wants to die on her mother. Hey, have you seen that? What is he seeing? <laughs> she can't even see it. She can't even see it. And the guy thinks she's so beautiful. He thinks the sun sets on her face. He, he, he wakes up in the... Like my mother was saying, you my teenagers. And before he wakes up, we have the landline, obviously. <laughs> the guy calls you in the morning. She said to the guy, he couldn't sleep. <laughs> my mom had a bad mouth. She still knows. <laughs> she said, he couldn't sleep. <laughs> understand nobody is ugly we're made in the image and likeness of god and so what the enemy does is it starts with a distortion of who you are if he tells you something different about your life something different about your assignment something different about your purpose something different about your calling he's already setting you on the wrong path and so if you're going on the wrong path you can't get a good report from heaven because you're not doing the assignment that the lord has asked you to do the scripture says that the enemy is the father of all lies. So basically, everything that proceeds from his mouth is a lie. And so when the enemy starts to tell you, you are this, you are exactly the opposite of that. I want you to remember that. When those doubts start to creep in, when those ugly thoughts start to creep in, when those words that people haul at you start to your body starts to absorb it, your mind starts to absorb it. 
you must come against it with the word of the Lord and refuse to accept it. Because what it is that the enemy is setting you off in the wrong direction so that you miss your purpose and your calling. That's exactly his plan. Because he has no other work but to kill, steal, and destroy. And once you remember that, then you will know that constantly he's going to try to change your assignment. He's going to try and tell you that the reason why you're here is to make money. We all like money. Every single one of us. But that's not the reason why we are here. I believe that your business and your jobs or your vocation is just the resource center for the assignments that God is sending you on. Hear me. Your job, your business, your vocation is just a resource center for the assignments that God is going to send you on. So there's nothing wrong you wanting a lot of money just so that your assignment is very big and that you will spend it. So you will come into the kind of world that even you know it's not your money. I don't even know if anyone has ever experienced that. Something will happen for you. It might not necessarily be money, but something will happen. And you know that this one, eh, it's not my own. This one, it's not my own. You have a good marriage. Your husband treats you like a queen. You know that, mm -mm. This one was for God to show broken people that this is how marriage is supposed to be. And so don't believe the lies of the enemy that every man beats his wife and every man cheats. Because you can stand and say, not this one. This is how God wanted marriage to look like. Am I making sense? Yes. Okay, so just stay with me this morning. And so, like I said, it's about God's view of us, the assignment that God, God's relationship with us, and the assignment that he sent us on. And our assignment is very simple. A lot of people are calling the rocks because they don't understand what their purpose is. And for a time and season, I define my purpose by the things that I did. My job, my businesses. So every time you speak to me, within two minutes, you will know exactly what I did. And because I genuinely liked what I did, I didn't see anything wrong in it. I will talk about it. I will be so excited about it, whether or not you're interested in it. And it'll pay off because people always remembered me when it came to anything that had to do with the things that I had the skills and capacity for. But then after a while, God started taking me on a journey where he was like, so if I take away this job from you, what will be left? If you're, you're the whole essence of who you are is about this high-flying job, if I take it away from you, what would you do? And do you know what he did? He started to take them away from me. Every time I would get into, you know how you get into a place and say, Gen -gen, this is the one. Something will happen. Film will be gone. I've had companies owe me for almost a year of going to work every day and not paying a dime. So how can I open my mouth and be bragging about that company again? Do you understand? Because God was trying to bring down everything that I made an altar above him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I've had a company that was, I thought, ah, this is... La, this is La La Land. This one, I said, this one, I die here. In fact, I had planned, I would have all my children here. It was an office where you could go to work whenever you like. We had flexi time and we had work from home. Like two. I could get up on the Monday morning and I would go and swim, get into the office at 11, leave at 3, you know, and most of my, I would do conference calls. I think I should deliver, nobody was interested in your physical presence. And I said, I will die on this one. And then one day, I was standing outside under the hot sun, and I heard a very clear voice. He said to me, you went to go and build a house where I told you to pitch a tent. And I was like, what's all this now? He said, you went to build a house where I told you to pitch a tent. You're like the Israelites that decided they wanted to stay in the wilderness. 
And I thought, but the job is well paid. I like my colleagues. I trust them. We don't do funny and shady things in this office. And most of all, even though it's not a Christian organization, we actually need Christian. Our values are Christian based. What more are you? But that's the thing about God. Eh? The things that we justify in the flesh is not in the spirit. It's not the same way he measures. And a few months afterwards, I understood why he said that. Because the company woke up one day and said that Nigeria was a difficult place to do business and they were done and they were gone. And with each time this happened, it meant I was what? Out of job, out of employment. So he took me on that journey many times to redefine my purpose until I landed on the simple instruction that he's given each and every one of us. Because you know, when you say God's reports, eh? I think report card, it means that you took what? An exam, right? And a report card came. So if you're supposed to go and take, um, what's it called? You're supposed to go and take um, JAMP and you went to go and take SATs. You've already failed. Abi, simple. You cannot transfer your JAMP scores to, uh, to SAT and vice versa. I don't believe you can. You can't. That simple. Which is why the enemy will send you on an assignment that is not yours so that you will fail the exam. You might do well in that new assignment, but you'll fail the one that God sent you on. And none of us will fail our assignments in Jesus' name. And so he took me back to the primary assignment, and that's just Luke 4 18. Luke 4 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember, when we gave our, our lives to Christ, he already released the Spirit as a gift. It's one of the benefits of being born again. So the Spirit of the Lord is always upon us. He said, He has anointed me. You're not waiting for anybody to pour oil on you. You are already anointed. Every single person sitting here is already anointed. You might not be a pulpit preacher. You might be a street evangelism um, um, minister. You might be a home fell fellowship. You might be whatever. But he's already anointed you, so stop waiting for anyone to lay hands on you. Just go and start the assignment that God has given you to do. He said, before I formed you, I knew you, and I called you as a prophet unto the nations. He did not say, I call Pastor Moses as a prophet unto the nations. You, every single one of you in this room today. And then he says to one, preach the good news to the poor. Two, set me to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted is all forms of all forms of mind deprivation. So whether it's um, romantic heartbreak, whether it's um, where you're despondent, whether it's where you stop trusting God, whether it's bad things have happened to you and you just feel so broken. To proclaim liberty to the captives. I can't wait for the justice project to start because that is just leaving out the scripture completely. Recovery of sight to the blind. And so stop thinking that he's talking about blind Bartimaeus and then he rubbed his eye and then he could see. Yes, that's physical blindness, but he's talking about blindness of the mind. A lot of us are blind. I keep praying every day, Lord, vision, not sight. Lord, vision, not sight. Let me not walk in my carnality. In my carnality, I am flawed. In my carnality, I will never see the good things that you're doing before me. In my carnality, I will look at the systems and structures that man has put in place. And that is what I will use to judge what you're asking me to do. In my carnality, I will be looking for validation in places that make no sense. Meanwhile, my validation is in Christ. In my carnality, I will never attain the things that you ask me to. So Lord, deaden my flesh and shut down my eyes that I will see with the eye of vision and so that is why when you're dating someone and then the Lord says to you you're not marrying him and you're thinking but why he's born again he goes to church he speaks in tongue what can be so wrong in that 
is that when you said do not be unequally yoked, we will start to repeat scripture back to God. And God is saying, my daughter, I've told you, this one is not your husband. Or this one is not your wife. See, but Lord, she meets, you know, you start singing songs of Solomon. See all the things you said. <laughs> and he says, this one is not your wife. Then the Lord would remind you that it's not every open door that you walk through if you're seeing with your eye of sight and not vision. So he says, recover the sight of the blind. But how can you help someone recover their sight if you yourself are blind? Blind leading the blind, you will end up in a ditch. How do you lead someone to see when you yourself are blind? And then finally said, to set liberty to those who are oppressed. How can you set free when you yourself are held back and oppressed by all the things that have happened to you in all of your life? And so that is our primary assignment. If we're talking about heaven's report, the thing that on the last day God will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, is if we're living out our lives in this way. Now, if you take all of these things and now extrapolate it into our own lives, we will start to see where our gifts, our talents, our money, our network, our associations, our connections connect to one of these things. For some people, it may be all. For some people, it might just be one, the most mundane of them all. Or what you think is the most mundane of them all. But that's your assignment. That's your purpose in life. And so, we need to come out of that place where we keep saying, we don't know our purpose. We don't know our purpose. How long are we going to say that? And then time is ticking. Tick, tick, tick every day. Do we know the number of days that the Lord has given unto us? So daily now I'm desperate. I'm like, Lord, show me. Every day I'm like, Lord, tell me. Tell me, tell me, just tell me. And let's now be worrying about whether I will obey or not. Can we start there first? That's, that's where I am. I'm like, God, just tell me first. Because some of the things you might tell us, we may not like. Some of the things you might tell us to let go of, we may not like. Some of the things you might tell us to cling to, we may not like. Some of the places he will send us to, we may not like. But let him first tell. So in this season, when we pray, or every night when I go to bed, I'm like, Lord, here I am. I've turned up for my assignment. In my dream, in my vision, you will give me the vision for my life. You will tell me something that I, that I need. You will give me direction. You will give me instructions. You will reveal to me your heart concerning a situation or a circumstance. Yes. Every single night that I sleep, that has become my prayer. Every single night, without fail. Lord, show me. I'm about to sleep. Show me in my dream. Show me in a vision. Do not let me walk around without knowing your direction for my life. That at the end of time, you may tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. And so, we then come to Numbers 13. So, as soon as he told me, he told me the Israelites, and when I asked them to go and spy the land of Canaan, and I was wondering, oh, why? I said, oh, yeah, because they brought the bad reports. So I went to the story. So I'm going to skip some places. Really, I give you the places to skip. So we'll start at number one. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Keyword, leaders. So at the Lord's command, 
Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, and all of all of them were leaders of the Israelites. Keyword leaders. Skip all the names. Skip all the names because they didn't make it in history. Skip. <laughs> Skip all the names. Skip all the names. And that's what happens when we walk in disobedience. May that not be our portion in Jesus' name. Now when Moses sent them to explore the land of Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwanted or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went out, explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob towards the Lebo Hamat. They went up among the Negev, came to Hebron, skip. And then they reached the valley of Eskol. They cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on the pole between them, along with some promulgates and figs. That place was skip. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There, they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw this descendants of Anak there. So the Anakites were like the giants in that, in that period. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Up to this point, everything is fine. They're just reporting back. Feasibility studies, right? Every system in the world started from scripture. Forget what anybody tells you. It's not any scientist anywhere that created anything. So that was feasibility studies that they went to do. They went to go and check the topography of the land, the population, uh, the, the strength of the people, everything. Because that was the land they were going to take over according to God's promise to Abraham in Genesis. That's where he started. He told him. And he mentioned the names of all these ites at that point. So God didn't just suddenly wake up and send them to a place where those people were there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people, no. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites. They started spreading a bad report everywhere about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Enoch came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Do you remember the description of the Israelites? Just wait, we're going to continue. The description of the Israelites. Why did the Egyptians make them slaves? Who remembers? They said they were growing in number. They were strong. Their women were strong. They used to give birth before the weak midwife comes. Boom babies out. So these people were by no means ordinary people. They were special people that God had, like they say, God had taken time to make them on a Sunday. Yes, God had taken time to create them. 
But you know what 400 years of slavery can do to your mind? Yes, yes, yes. You know what 400 years of slavery can do to your mind? I believe that if they had said physical fight, oh yeah, Israelites here, Egyptians here, choose a partner, they will beat them blue black. The Israelites would have beaten the Egyptians blue black. Who agrees with me? They were strong. They were making them hard labor under the sun. They were building bricks. When you're doing that, trust me, you'll be strong. But why could they not even, did they really need Moses to come and deliver them? Did they? They did because it starts in the mind. Their minds had been defeated already. So it didn't matter if there were 400 Israelites against one Egyptian. That one Egyptian will crack his whip and all of them will fall in line. Are we like the Israelites? And so it's that mindset that they carried into this place of exploration. Even after God had made a public spectacle of the Egyptians, he had assailed them with plagues to show them and remind the Israelites that I am your God and I've made this promise, I'll deliver you. In one single transaction, I annihilated the entire Egyptian army. But still, it wasn't enough. The physical manifestations of God's power was not enough. They needed a complete reorientation of their minds because of the slavery that they have been into being what has the enemy made you a slave of i'm asking this morning what has the enemy made you a slave of what lie has he told you that has kept you in one place circling circling never able to attain anything never able to move forward like pastor moses spoke about last week what slavery has kept you and entrapped for so long? What happened in your childhood that has destroyed the way that you see yourself and makes it different from how God sees you? So that in your mind, you can never get a good report from the Lord. And so, in anger, they started to mourn in their fear. Can you, can you, can you continue? They started to mourn in their fear. See, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and they were weeping out aloud. It's not even them they sent on the assignment. And for me, what is even so annoying about this story is that they were leaders. They were leaders. They were the people who had seen firsthand the move of God. They had front row seats to, to the humiliation of the Egyptians. They probably sat in a strategy meeting with Moses and Aaron when he was telling them, Tomorrow, the next one coming coming on them, eh? You guys just wait and see. And they say, I'm Moses, tell us, tell us, tell us. Moses say, okay, yeah, people are leaders. I trust people. You know that always happens in management meetings. They say you're not allowed, you're not allowed to speak about these things, but we trust you as management, so we're going to tell you the next phase of things. And when the thing happens, you act surprised like everybody else. So they had Moses that did an expo. God is going to do plenty, plenty things, eh? We are sure coming out of this Egypt. So they had seen firsthand, they were the leaders. They were not random floor members or ordinary people. And so how can the people that were supposed to be the leaders of Israel now go around in the camp spreading a bad report about the land that they saw? We are like grasshoppers in our own eyes, let alone in their eyes. So if you see yourself as little, I promise you, nobody can see you as big. If you see yourself as little, nobody can see you as big. When I go into meetings, presentations or interviews, and they say, why should we give you this opportunity? Whether it's a contract or... I look at them and I say, because you can't get better than me. I say with a cockiness that comes from knowing that I'm a daughter of the Most High God. Not in my strength or in my understanding. 
But really, you can't get better than me. I'm sorry. Do you know why? Because I have the technical, but I also have the prophetic download that the other person does not have. And so I will see a thing before it happens. Simple. Because I go and I pray and I say, Lord, tell me something concerning my workplace or this business. So if, you, if I don't see myself as that, how can somebody else see me as something other than that cowering person? No longer will we cower under the slavery of the enemy. Say amen. amen. No longer will we be slaves. No longer will we, be, will we be slaves. And so, because we are creators, and one of the Lord says that, whatever you bind on earth is bound in, in heaven, and whatever you lose it is lost in heaven. God then went on. When he got angry with them, you see, you know, people keep saying, oh, what kind of God is it that brings destruction? God simply obeyed their word according to scripture. And so he said, they grumbled, if only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only for us to fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So go to where the Lord responded. Go to where the Lord responded. He said, I think it's in 14. So the Lord then said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the miraculous signs I've performed among them. How long? So he says, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Carry on. Then Moses said, the Egyptians will hear about it. By your part, you'll be brought to go out from among them. Keep going. It's not there. Keep going. There's a place where the Lord then said, or is it this one version? He said, um, are you constant over them? Next. He then said to them, there's a place where the Lord then said to them, uh, he said, according to your own words, every one of you will die in the wilderness. So he says, in accordance with your great love, you know, he said, according to your great love, forgive the sins of these people. Just, just pardon them from the time they left Egypt till now. Skip. So it's not there. The next one. The Lord replied, yes, they'll go back from 20. The Lord then replied, I have forgiven them as you have, as you have asked. However, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. Not one who has treated me with contempt will see it. New King James Version says that in accordance to your own word, that God said to them, in accordance to what you have said, it would have been better for us to die in the wilderness. Every single one of you who said that will die in the wilderness. So that's actually what happened. God just obeyed their word, just as he obeys our command. So when we are crying, Lord, do this, do this, God is saying, speak it, speak it, speak it, and I will do it because I've made you co-creator with me. Simple. So he just responded to what they are wanting. You know, better for us to die in the wilderness. He said, okay, since you want to die in the wilderness, go ahead and die in the wilderness. And so that's how 40 years, a journey that was supposed to be 11 days or so, now became 40 years because God needed to take out that entire generation of people who had mourned against him. Despite all that they had seen, despite the report of Caleb and Joseph, and Joshua, who kept saying, keep quiet. We can take these people if the Lord has promised this land unto us. So, whose voice are you listening to in this season? Whose voice are you listening to in this season? 
Who is that person around you that never sees any good in you? Who is that person that constantly remembers you from many years ago when you were a struggling Christian, trying daily, falling in your sin and getting up every day, making your peace with God, but all they can see is this cloak of darkness and shame over you. And at every junction, they will continue to remind you of who you are. Who is that person that you're speaking to that whispers negative words in your ear morning, noon and night? You know, it might actually be your spouse, unfortunately. And, and that's why, you know, especially the, the men. <laughs> the women are very sensitive. They, they, they respond to words. Men, I, I feel men respond to action, but women respond to words. And so when you tell a woman something negative, 10 years, she can still be crying about that thing you told her. And you're what's wrong with this one now? I mean, don't ask what I said. This one making you behave like this. Yes. Yes. That's what thing that you said. Yes. So please, I feel led to tell the men, be careful the words you put into your home in anger. I know that we're very mouthy. And before we say one, but women, they soak it up. So who are you listening to in this season? Who's that mentor that keeps telling you negative things about yourself because he or she is trying to craft you as a version of themselves? Meanwhile, that's not what God is asking you to do. Who's that person causing your mental or body dysmorphia and making you see a different version of who you are from what God sees? Do you realize you were made in his image and in his likeness and that nothing you do can ever separate you from the love of God? Do you realize that? And so, it says that the mind has 50,000 thoughts per day. The average mind has 50,000 thoughts per day. Just think about it. 50,000 going through your mind at every point in time. Pain, anger, happiness, joy, disappointment, frustration, confusion. Just, you know, it's like the mind, eh? If we know how sensitivity is there, we have to really protect it. One day, we're flipping channels. And we saw a concert. So my husband and I stopped and, and um, it was, what was this guy's name? Naira Mali. On, on some, I think it was, he uh, had a concert this Christmas, right? People don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. Because even when we were doing 30 December, I heard some people went for 50 parties. 30 December, don't pretend like you don't know. Anyway, I hear he had a concert this Christmas, right? Okay. So they were doing a replay of the concert. So, it started as a, you know, curious conversation. He says to me, I wonder why people like this Naira Mali. And me, I said, I want that too. And so, God's curiosity, we said, let's just watch for like two minutes. It was two minutes too long. So, I, I obviously he sang, I don't know, a couple of the songs, and they sang, um, this, is it, he's gonna sing, is it go? Is it go, is it go? I said, okay, okay, I kind of see that song is kind of catchy, you know, like, oh yeah. And by that night, in my sleep, <laughs> <laughs> By morning, by morning, by morning, how would I be good if I was thinking? By morning, I was thinking, by morning. Oh my god, this is how a generation is lost. 
This is how the whole might catch him. <laughs> so I could now understand why people, you get where I'm coming from. So the mind is a very powerful tool. You must be careful what you're letting in this period and this season. For you to attain anything in God, you must be very, very careful. Don't say I'm strong, I'm able to resist. Don't say. None of us should boast lest we fall. And so, your internal dialogues, you're asking yourself, the things that nobody's even speaking to you, but the things that you're telling yourself, the lies that you've allowed to fester based on situations, circumstances, the things that have happened around you, they now come and start to change the version of who you are. The way God sees you is completely distorted in your mind. And so you think that you're not good enough for God to use to do anything. And so when they say, come and do this, you are, you retreat because you say, I'm not in a holy place. I'm not holy. If you know what I got up to last night, God doesn't care. He says that many times as you sin, you ask for forgiveness and his grace is made available. It's like his hands are ever outstretched waiting for you. He knows you're going to commit that sin. He sees you doing it. He wishes he can pull your ear and say, stop it. But because he gave us free will, you go ahead and commit that sin. But he's still standing there and saying, if you just say, I'm sorry, that's it, wiped out, clean, I can still use you. Don't worry about what the enemy is telling you. Because the enemy will sit in the corner and go, ha, 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 ha. You have finally fallen. You have gone to fornicate. You're useless before the eyes of the Lord. He cannot use you to do anything. Until it gets to the point where you are completely useless to yourself and to the body of Christ. And that's not God's plan for our lives. And so, I remember how um, fear can sometimes cripple us into doing the things you're supposed to do. I have just this habit. They'll, they'll win a battle before they get into the ring. Who knows that? They'll win a battle. They don't win a battle in there. Because at the point you are at that national stage competing, it's already assumed that you guys are matched evenly in terms of technical skills, in terms of strength, in terms of weight, in certain sports like boxing. So, for example, in boxing, I sort of like boxing. I don't really know all the technicalities, but I sort of like boxing. So, for example, everyone thought obviously that Anthony Joshua was going to win the guy Reese, right? But he went in there and he lost. Am I correct? He went in there and he lost. When he came back the second time, what was different? The only difference between that time, the first time, and the second time was he had to reorientate his mind. He had to change his mind. In fact, there are a few things that he said that I want to read out. The exact quotes from him. He said, information is key. It is used, it used to be reserved for kings and queens, but now we have access. So absorb that. It will help you in that anxiety moment because subconsciously there might be one piece of information that gets you through. Our own information as Christians is scriptures. Sometimes you see one scripture that changes the course of your destiny and changes the entire trajectory of your life and frees you from every limitation that you've ever had to truly do God's work. He then said, if you're someone who makes decisions by yourself, trust in your ability and your instincts. The mind will play tricks on you, but you have to take control and trust your God's instincts. Of course, you know that the God's instincts is what? The Holy Spirit, which each and every one of us have. And then he said, he said, I listen to a lot of talks and podcasts with insights into how to be strong and stay focused and channel my emotions. I am a sponge that absorbs. And so in this season, God is saying, study to show yourself approved. It is my pleasure to hide the matter and the honor of kings to, to see it. 
So I will, you will see a scripture you've never seen before, and you have new understanding, and your mind will absorb it, and it will go into your spirit, and it will give you a new confidence of who you are in Christ. He then says, you know, but then you get to the fight, and sometimes you think, what if I turned around and said, I don't want to do it again? Hmm? And everyone is there. Everyone is cheering. The opponent is in the ring. You've stepped in with the lights, sound, with your, those your shiny robes. And then he says, at that moment, your heart literally fails. You're like, you don't want to do it again. But he says, you're already there. You have to make it count. You have to go in roaring like a champion because you are already there. And then you've come so far, so you have to deal with the anxiety. So you face your battles with strength and the might of the Lord. And you say, I will overcome because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so, God is constantly speaking, but the enemy is also constantly speaking. God is constantly speaking, but the enemy is also constantly speaking. And so I just wrote down a few things that came to mind that the enemy tells us. He says, the enemy will tell you, you have depression. You know that schizophrenia runs in your family. Nobody knows, but me and you know that three grandmothers ago had mental, And so it runs in your family because these things are hereditary. And so when you see yourself acting irrational, fear grips you, you're like, I hope I don't have my grandmother in you. I like that. She said no. That's that's the spirit. She, she said no. And so when the enemy tells you that, you reply, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given me the spirit of fear, of power, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I do not have depression. I do not have bipolar. I am not schizophrenic. Because I have a sound mind. And so the enemy will tell you, will tell you, you are not pretty enough. You're not pretty, you're ugly. You have crooked teeth and funny legs. And then you say, I was made in the image and likeness of God. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Have you seen me? I look like God. I retain the glory of the Most High King. How dare you say I am ugly? It is your own great grandmother that is ugly. <laughs> And the enemy says, you're so weak. You can't attain anything. See just that small temptation I sent you and you just fell apart like a, card of, a pack of cards. And you say in Exodus 15 too, the Lord is my strength and my song and he has given me victory. So though I may have fallen today, tomorrow I stand victorious. I have the strength of the Lord inside of me and I can resist the enemy. And that is why God allowed the enemy to tempt him. So that he could show us an example. So he tells him, um, throw yourself down and I will give you all the world, the whole kingdoms of the earth that belongs to him. Kingdom that he created. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And so the enemy will tell you, you won't have a child. You will miscarry. Do you remember how many abortions you had as a young girl? He says, scripture says that what you sow, you will reap. Because he'll come at you with scripture also and say, there's nothing you can do about it. And then you say, there will be none barren in the land and none will cast his seed before its time. 
the Lord has forgiven me and I will be fruitful and I will have a child and I will carry that child to full term and I will bet like a Hebrew woman. The enemy will tell you, you will never amount to anything. Nothing you put your hands will work. And then the Lord will say to you, you will say to the, you will say to the enemy, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All like if I decide tomorrow I want to be a carpenter, I will go and be a carpenter. I actually believe that that is one of my life scriptures. So when people tell me, oh my God, you do a lot of things, I said, yes, yes, I have capacity. What am I using it to do? Watch Telemondo. <laughs> I have capacity. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me, I can. He will send me a partner. He will send me information. He will open my eyes to see. So I told the enemy, get away. Don't tell me that I'm confused. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then when the enemy says, you are the bottom, you will always be at the bottom. Even in class, you always to carry last three. In performance management at work, you are always in the bottom percentile. Everywhere. Where, anywhere you even manage to enter, they just felt sorry for you. The person who was supposed to keep the job here turned it down. So they just felt sorry for you and said, Oh, my heart reached out to him or her, or this person. And you say, No, I'm the head and not the tail. Deuteronomy 28 13. And the enemy who says, You are in trouble. And guess what? You actually are in trouble because you did something wrong. You did actually do something very wrong. Hmm? You're a child of God, but you did do something very wrong. And so the enemy will come and say, You know where you're small? When you're, when you're done something, I am here. That's things to say. That's what the enemy will say. You are in trouble. And you're actually in trouble. Hmm. And then you say to the enemy, Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Because he will deliver me from every calamity and every trouble. He will deliver me because I sit at my right hand. I, am, I sit at his right hand. I will not be afraid. And I say to the raging storm, peace, be still. And it will be still. Because the Lord is in the storm. And then the enemy will say, this sickness will kill you. Only you. You have a migraine. Only you. Now BP medication. Only you. You have ulcer. Only you, you now have arthritis on top of it. Then you have insomnia. How are you even going to get better? You know what, just come and die. Just, just come and die already. You're not useful to anybody. And you say, by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. You say it until you believe it. By his stripes, I am healed. He's the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. He has not stopped doing miracles. He hasn't stopped. If he could raise the dead, he can heal your malaria and your migraine. He can heal cancer. He can heal HIV. I know people that God has changed their blood group. I know people that God has changed their blood group. They dared to believe God and he changed their blood group. And they went for test after test and he came back as a different blood group. That's the God that I know. And the enemy will say to you, you have seen that God is angry with you. And you say to him, Romans 8, For now, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. Nothing I do.
can ever make the Lord look down on me or look at me as not able to do anything with me. And then the enemy will say, your, the enemy, your enemies are waiting for you. And this time around, they will finally kill you. You are you're weak against them. And you will say, a thousand will fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand side. But they will not come near me because the word of the Lord has said so. And then you will say, you are no longer God's child. You are not a member of his family. And then you reply, 2 Corinthians 1, 22. He has placed his seal of ownership upon me. He has placed his seal of ownership upon me. The Lord has placed his seal of ownership upon me. And so that is how we come against the thoughts of the enemy. That is how we come against every lie of the enemy that keeps us from seeing us, from us seeing ourselves the way God has seen us, from us doing the assignment that God has sent us to do, and from us coming into that report that says, well done, good and faithful servant. That is how we do that. That is how we do that. And, you know, final words, because it's a very simple message that has not ended because it's still showing me many things. And then, you know, um, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, you know, can you put it up? I want us to read it together. 10, 5. No, go back. Start, start from before 5. Start from 4. So the weapons, can we read it together, please? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's how we win our battles. We bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every self-doubt, every lack of faith, every fear, every intimidation, every pain, everything that is contrary to the word of the Lord in our lives. We bring every single thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when is fulfilled. Go back to the other one. Casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so this morning, my message is very simple. I am conceited. I'm not I'm not conceited. I'm just convinced that no demons or death can separate me from the love of God. Nothing I do will separate me from the love of God. No matter how many times I fall down, I will pick myself up. So while you are there judging me and my journey, I am making my path right before God because I want to be able to say, here I am. Lord, send me. How do I advance? How do I move forward and I bring glory to your kingdom? And how do I, at the end of the time, get a report that says, well done, good and faithful servant. The Lord is pleased with you. And so this morning, if you feel like, you know, my message is for you and the enemy has told you lies, you know, actually everyone, you just stand on your feet for a minute and let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray over ourselves and make a new declaration. I'm the righteous of the Lord. I am healed and consecrated. I am chosen for greatness. Speak the words over yourself, please. Just speak the words over yourself. I am made for signs and wonder. The Lord is on my side. I conquer every fear. I conquer every demon. I conquer every limitation. I conquer every challenge. I am ahead. I am on top, not beneath. 
I am awesome in the Lord's eyes. I am the apple of his eye. I'm a river planted by the waters of life. In and out of season, I yield fruit. I have faith, therefore I please God. I do not walk in blindness. I walk in understanding. I do not walk in fear. I am strong. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I am mighty in the name of the Lord. I am not afraid out of the back of the enemy. A thousand will fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand side. I will look my eyes and see the Lord recompose of the wicked. The Lord has set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My head I am as anointed with oil. My cup running over. I am the beloved of the Lord. I am his daughter. I am a daughter of the Lord. I am a king in the workplace. I take on the nations for God. I take on territories for God. I Lord, we take into captivity every thought that is contrary to your will, every thought that does not come from you, every negative word that has been spoken over anybody here, everything that is not from you, every pain, every past experience, oh God, every limitation, every challenge, every negative word that has gone out into the atmosphere. I shut it out this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And I speak a new life over everybody here. I say, I see people blooming in the spirit, oh God. I see also righteousness, oh God. I see ministers of the gospel, oh God. I see people walking in their strength and power. I see people moving from strength to strength and from glory to glory. I see an army advancing. I see an army advancing. I see people who are hungry for the Lord. I see victors everywhere. I see victorious people. I see champions everywhere. I see fire. Fire in our spirit. Fire in our eyes. Fire in our bones. We take on territories for God. We take on territories in the spirit of God. We shut down everything that is not for God. And we bring it to the obedience of God. Because the Lord is on our side, we will not be afraid, we will not be moved, we will be unshaken, we will be unshaken. The Lord is on our side. This morning the Lord is saying, I'm on your side. I am on your side. I see you as a dead. I see you as a victor. I see you as an army. <laughs> Lord, I release your people, oh God, into their purpose. I release them into their calling. I release them into their strength, oh God. I release them into their assignment, oh God. I release them into their victory, oh God. I release them into who they are in Christ, oh God. That we will establish the honor of the Lord upon the earth. That no longer will the enemy make me sit out of us, O oh God. We declare to stand out upon the earth, O oh God. That your name may be glorified, O oh God. That your name may be glorified, O oh God. That your name may be glorified, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus.
Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.